This is Peter Bookfar, editor of The Book Report. It is 4.30, June 14th, 2017, Eastern Time. We're about an hour removed from the end of Janet Yellen's press conference. And today's podcast will be a discussion both of the statement that we saw at 2 p.m. Eastern and contents of relevance in the press conference that followed. Uh, after going through the economy in the first paragraph of the statement, where uh, it wasn't that much different than the, uh, the prior meeting. Uh, they did tone down a hair the comments about the labor market by saying, while it's still strong, uh, job gains have moderated. Uh, they maintain their comments on how household spending being pretty good, even though that's somewhat debatable, uh, and that big business fixed investment has continued to expand. That is also debatable, considering that uh, core capital spending is really no different than it was uh, more than 10 years ago. Uh, then they moved on to inflation and they acknowledged the recent readings, the softer readings that we've seen, uh, but still remain confident that they're going to get to their or around their 2% target. But uh, of course, they're going to say that too because they don't want to be taken off track uh, with just some of the recent inflation numbers where the core rate has moderated a touch uh, a lot dealing with um, the services side of the economy. I think more, most relevant was they trimmed their PCE inflation forecast for 2017 by two-tenths from 1.9% to 1.7, getting to the point I mentioned about them acknowledging the recent softer inflation numbers. However, they basically reiterated their desire to raise rates another time. So here they are. Yes, we know that inflation numbers have dipped, but... We still want to raise another time. And also of note was the uh, discussion about how they will uh, both implement quantitative tightening. And notice I called it quantitative tightening. The Fed has not referred to it as that yet. They refer to it as shrinking the balance sheet, letting the balance sheet roll off, letting things mature. But if quantitative easing was expanding the balance sheet, then quantitative tightening is a form of um, letting the balance sheet shrink. So they talked about how they would do it, and it wasn't until the press conference that she talked about the timing of it, and all she said was relatively soon. I was under the, under the impression that they would raise in September, and they would announce in December the actual um, quantitative tightening, and maybe to begin in January. But maybe they'll, they'll get started before that. Maybe they'll begin in September, coincident with that next um, rate hike. Um, also of note was um, how they would do it. And uh, they would do it through the uh, at least the first month, not reinvesting $6 billion of U.S. Treasuries and $4 billion of mortgage-backed securities, so totaling 10 And then three months later, uh, they would ramp that up to eventually get to a maximum $30 billion per month of Treasuries, $20 billion per month of mortgage-backed securities for a total of $50 billion. The question, though, is will they actually be able to get there uh, based on, uh, well, I guess, will the market be accommodating of that possibility? And uh, that speaks to this whole uh, exit strategy from here on out. Will the data, because they still say they're data-dependent, will the data be enough to get them to raise in September, let alone start shrinking their balance sheet? They certainly want to. Janet Yellen retires 
or rides off into the sunset in February 2018, and she would least like to uh, put the shrinking of the balance sheet on some sort of autopilot uh, to claim that, well, she was there when it got ramped up and she's going to be there uh, with a plan to have it unwind. And uh, we'll, we'll see whether, again, the markets accommodate that. Uh, right now, I think markets have been somewhat uh, tolerant of this rate hike cycle. I think part of that is because of all the quantitative easing that's going on in Japan and Europe, which certainly continues unabated. But we know the second half of this year, the ECB has no choice but to announce a further further tapering in their QE. And the Japanese have been doing a subtle tapering by focusing more on yield curve control rather than the actual quantity of JGBs that they're buying. Um, but getting back to the Fed, uh, in, the, in the press conference, uh, she was pressed on the recent inflation numbers. And she sort of fell back on her belief on the Phillips curve that the lower the unemployment rate goes, and they did trim their unemployment rate estimate to 4.3%, uh, the higher the likelihood is that leads to wage inflation, and then wage inflation will eventually lead to consumer price inflation as companies try to offset the margin hit from higher labor costs uh, with higher prices in the products of their goods and services. So by sticking to that, I guess it sort of makes sense that they want to continue to raise. The problem is, is that it's happening in the context of the economic data that continues to soften. If you look at the U.S. City Surprise Index, which is measuring the actual reporting of an economic data point relative to the estimate, if the, if the actual data point misses, then that index goes down and then vice versa. So that surprise index is at the lowest level since early 2015. Now this mean reverts in that economists in response start to lower their estimates and then we start to see a beat of those estimates, and then it mean reverts to the upside. But right now, we're seeing uh, definite softening, particularly in the auto sector, which if you include all the jobs that touch that, that sector in totality, you're talking about 5%, give or take, of the U.S. labor force. So uh, at best, we're in a 2% economy, and there's major risk to that number to the downside again because of the softness in retail uh, sales on the auto side. Uh, today we did get uh, the broader retail sales number that uh, was somewhat in line if you include the prior month revision, but very mediocre growth with sales X autos, X gasoline, and X building materials rising at a 2.9% year-over-year rate, which is below the five-year average of about 3.5% and well below the average seen in the expansion in the mid-2000s and certainly the late 1990s. So I think the economy is very precarious, and the yield curve is certainly sniffing that out as we continue to see this flattening as the bond market becomes more worried about the ability of the U.S. economy to handle these hikes in short-term interest rates. So whereas the yield curve was 100 basis points on Election Day, was about 125 plus on the day they started the uh, rate hike cycle back in December 2015. Now we're down to an 80 basis point spread between the two-year note yield and the 10-year note yield. And again, that is sending only one message and that it is worried about what Fed rate hikes are going to do to the U.S. economy. Here we are in the ninth year of this economic expansion. So tying this back into markets, uh, I think that 
in the context of markets that, or at least the stock market that, on a variety of metrics is very expensive, whether it's price to sales on a median basis that is well above uh, the level it was in 2000, whether it's market cap to GDP, the Shiller-PE ratio, uh, price to cash flow, price to book value, replacement value, blah, 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 uh, the market's very expensive. Now, it can stay that way. It's been that way. And that is not a short-term tool in determining where stocks go. In fact, it's a pretty poor one. But when you start to see the Fed getting deeper into their tightening, I believe that valuations begin to matter. And I think we're now at that point that combining the rate hikes with quantitative tightening, that the markets are going to get more sensitive both to valuations and any bouts of any bad news, which makes the second quarter earnings season, which will begin in about a month, crucial because we'll be able to see not only how companies uh, did in the second quarter in terms of uh, in an absolute basis and relative to their expectations, but uh, how tolerant and how accepting will the markets be if you happen to miss, even if that's by a penny, particularly with the stocks that have been loved, like Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Google, Netflix, Tesla, and so forth. Uh, those stocks certainly took it on the chin last Friday, and I don't think that was a one-day wonder, again, because I think that the market is going to start to become more discriminating on valuations because the Fed is no longer your friend. And no matter how low interest rates are on an absolute basis, it is the rate of change from here that matters. And don't forget what got us here. What got us here was quantitative easing, multiple rounds, and zero interest rates of about seven years. Now that is beginning to turn as the U.S. economy is beginning to soften. Uh, so there's potentially, I believe, uh, a toxic mix that's potentially coming our way in the, uh, in the next couple of months. Again, as, as I said earlier, this also comes as the ECB will likely get more vocal about how they uh, will deal with tapering uh, of their asset purchases, which is inevitable considering that the current program is supposed to end in December this year anyway which we know is not going to happen, which we know will go into 2018, but they still have to be some sort of plan around that. Uh, Bank of England meets tomorrow. I'll touch upon that to finish this up on central bank discussion. They had a uh, pretty disappointing wage number that they saw for April. That's after seeing yesterday a higher than expected May CPI number. So here you have a, a form of stagflation in the UK, which really ties the hands of the Bank of England in that Mark Carney and company is worried about the economic impact from the UK referendum and them leaving the EU. At the same time, real wages are getting squeezed, standard of living, the purchasing power uh, uh, is going lower, and that in itself is a drag on economic growth. So should Mark Carney focus on stabilizing inflation by maybe seeing the pound rally, but at risk of hurting exports? That's his conundrum. I think he should focus on inflation, controlling that because that is the precursor to a stable growth, but uh, he doesn't seem to be uh, wanting to take that track. But we'll hear again from the Bank of England tomorrow. And uh, that's a wrap, and uh, hopefully you found this helpful.